You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Mind the Gap, James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Every good gift, every perfect gift, comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. He chose to give us birth by his true word, and here is the result. We are like the first crop of the harvest of everything he created. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control themselves, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many years ago, when I was in eighth grade, my parents took me on a trip over spring break to London, England. You heard me right. I've been to London. It's a trip I still remember. Everything from St. Paul's Cathedral to Piccadilly Circus to Big Ben, the Tower of London, and many other tourist attractions. But what I also remember very clearly is riding the London Underground, known to British people as the Tube. I remember waiting at various underground stops similar to the subway system in New York City. But what struck me is not only were the London Underground stations much cleaner and more well-lit, they were also a lot less noisy. If you've ever traveled on a subway before, you know that there's also a bit of a gap in between the platform and the subway car, so you need to step over it to get safely into the subway car. I also remember clear as day hearing the phrase, mind the gap, in an upbeat men's voice being played on repeat whenever the train would come to a stop and open its doors, as a quick reminder to watch your step when either getting on or off the London Underground. Now, according to an article I read, the phrase, mind the gap, being used on the London Underground dates back to 1968 where an automated recording was preferred over station attendants trying to warn passengers all the time for its practicality. Contrast that with the MTA subway lines in New York City and the Long Island Railroad, where an attendant will quickly and loudly yell, 
please stand clear of the closing doors at every stop. But you see, this little phrase, mind the gap, has stuck with me all these years later. And I am instantly drawn back to my experiences riding the London Underground as a young man in junior high. So clearly, it's been effective. Because this is where we pick up our scripture text for today from James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Now, an article I read on WorkingPreacher.com, written by Casey Thomberg Sigmund, described James as minding the gap between knowledge and wisdom. Which reminded me of my time in London, but also that the Christian life is one of making a way between these two things, knowledge about God, which should never supersede wisdom from God. And that can be one of the pitfalls of studying theology, that when God becomes the subject of study, it can become difficult to approach God in a personal way. We must hold these things together in tension. And while the book of James is sometimes considered to be one of the general or Catholic epistles, meaning for the general church, among scholars, it's also considered to be a form of moral exhortation, but it's a bit hard to narrow it down beyond that. Because while it does present itself as a letter in the greeting, it doesn't have the typical elements that make up an ancient epistle. There's a prayer for grace and peace, but there's no declaration of thanksgiving or pronouncement of blessing on God, nothing like that. Even so, it can be considered what is known as wisdom literature, similar to that of the Old Testament, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, because there are 49 moral imperatives in its 108 verses. And so it can be read with the question of how then shall we live? Keeping that in mind, that we have been engaging with our Ephesians series over the past summer. And yet, even throughout church history, James has come under fire. The famous church reformer Martin Luther called the book of James an epistle of straw because it focuses on works rather than salvation by grace through faith. But given Luther's own historical context, pushing back against a Catholic church led by bishops who at the time were more interested in funding the construction the construction of cathedrals than about the care of souls, we can perhaps begin to understand why Luther had the reaction he did towards it. But regardless of Luther's own feelings about it, James does offer us a paranesis, that is, advice on how to live the Christian life well. And so verse 17 begins, Every good gift, every perfect gift, comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. Well, when I initially read this, my first question was, what gifts are James referring to? Because you see, we have to go back to the beginning of chapter 1 to find our answer, and it comes to us in verse 5. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. The gift, my friends, is wisdom. And you see, it's ours if we are willing to ask God for it. I remember back to a little later in my teenage years, a friend of mine who went to the same youth group I did told me once to not pray for patience. He didn't explicitly tell me why, other than telling me, because God will give you patience. Well, what do you think I did? 
I went home and I prayed for patience. But instead of God just giving me patience as some sort of supernatural gift that just kind of, you know, infiltrates one's character, that's not really how God works. Anyway, I found myself in situations and circumstances that allowed me to learn patience. And one such situation was sitting in Long Island traffic on a hot summer afternoon. If you've ever experienced it before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, let me sum it up very briefly. A normally 45-minute drive took me three and a half hours. Friends, I learned patience that day. And so James continues, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word, and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Now, I'm reminded of the phrase here from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. You see, this verse is commonly thought to be directed at non-believers. But Richard Foster, in his book Celebration of Discipline, suggested it was instead written to those who were already following Jesus in their lives. And just as James implores us to welcome the word planted deep inside you, the only reason it is able to save us is because Jesus is also the Word of God. And so once again, we see James speaking difficult truth in verse 22. You must be doers of the Word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. And this, this is where that phrase from that article I read about minding the gap between knowledge of God and wisdom as a friend of God comes into play. Now, I'd like you to pause for a moment, and I'd like you to consider a question. And Have you, who are listening right now, have you ever thought that you were misleading yourself? Yes or no? Likely, you're answering no. Because I don't think any of us are doing that intentionally in our lives, right? And yet, James speaks to a life that is examined. To be a doer of the word and not just a hearer means being intentional about our thoughts, words, and actions. It's one thing to know our Bibles well, but something else completely to put it into practice. But you see, we don't just do this for our own sake or even for our own spiritual growth on its own, or even for the hope that might await us after we die. We do it for the sake of of one another. We do it because being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry are ways for us to love our neighbors well. We do it because with humility, trying to set aside those things that move us further away from God will help us love God and one another more fully in our lives. We do it because the Christian life is one of considering the other above ourselves. And James states that the Christian does it to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep oneself unstained by the world. 
because while his phrasing here is specific to orphans and widows, James is speaking generally about Jesus would have called the least of these, those people whom ancient society would have shunned. Because once again, it comes down to a communal ethic of care, in other words, to care for one another. As the people called Christians and further, people called Methodists, who make up a local expression of church, we are not only a community, but we are a community of faith, meaning that our faith in God through Jesus Christ impacts the ways in which we live together. Because James's basic message throughout this entire book is that he is more concerned with morals than manners. Much of the moral exhortation of antiquity dealt with finding and keeping one's place in the world as a means to success and honor. James has none of those concerns, but deals exclusively with moral attitudes and behavior taken from my Bible dictionary. In other words, our place in the world matters less than the way we treat each other. Minding the gap between knowledge and wisdom should be one of our guiding principles as we read through James together and seek to put these exhortations into practice, not only for our own sakes, but for the sake of one another. May it always be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to You Heard It Here First first united methodist church of new home podcast feel free to check out our website firstumcnewholm.org and our facebook page facebook.com slash firstumcnewholm hope you have a blessed day